In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. <coughs> o Almighty God, merciful Father, Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office as an accalled and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Have respect to the covenant, O Lord. O do not let the oppressed return ashamed. Arise, O God, plead your own cause. Do not forget the voice of your enemies.
back to the covenant, O Lord. Oh, do not let the oppressed return ashamed. Arise, O God, please your own cause. Do not forget the voice of your enemies. and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised, make us love what you have commanded, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Testament reading for the 13th Sunday after Trinity is from 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 
And the children of Israel carried away captive of their brethren 200,000 women, sons, and daughters. And they also took away much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Oded. And he went out before the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Look, because the Lord God of your fathers was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand, but you have killed them in a rage that reaches up to heaven. And now you propose to force the children of Judah and Jerusalem to be your male and female slaves. But are you not also guilty before the Lord your God? Now hear me, therefore, and return the captives whom you have taken captive from your brethren, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Then some of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Yohanan, Berechiah the son of Meshilhemoth, Jehezekiah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Hadlai, stood up against those who came from war and said to them, You shall not bring the captives here, for we already have offended the Lord. You intend to add to, your, to our sins and to our guilt, for our guilt is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the leaders and all the assembly. Then the men who were designated by name rose up and took the captives, and from the spoil they clothed all who were naked among them, dressed them, and gave them sandals, gave them food and drink, and anointed them. And they let all the feeble ones ride on donkeys. So they brought them to their brethren at Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. I said, 
I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 3. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, 
For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. This is the word of the Lord. According to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory be to thee, Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see, and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear, and have not heard it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, to hear what you hear and have not heard it. This is the word of the Lord. So what is it exactly that the disciples saw? The prophets and kings of old longed to see, but did not see. Many prophets, many kings yearned to see, but they didn't. What did they yearn to see? Love, real love, fulfilled in Jesus, the Son of God in human flesh and in his sacrifice upon the cross. Those mysterious words of Jesus immediately preceding the lawyer's question are important. For this lawyer, having no interest in truth, but only to trap Jesus, asks him a question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? The answer that Jesus gives is instructive. What is written in the law? Jesus asks the lawyer. Tell me. What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So often Jesus answers a question, particularly by his adversaries, with a question in return. And the lawyer answers, and he answers correctly, love. Love for God with all one's heart, with all one's soul, with all one's might, and love for one's neighbor as oneself. That is the summation of the law. Love. The lawyer was right. And then Jesus says to him, Do this, and you will live. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength at all times. Love your neighbor in place of yourself, and you will live. How simple. All we have to do is love. And if we love in this manner, we shall inherit eternal life with God. But this is an impossible demand. Because in the fall into sin, the loves and affections of our hearts were bent inward upon ourselves. So that even our interpretation of the law is one of self-service and self-centeredness. This is why it makes demands of us that we cannot keep because the love that the law demands is a love that is opposite the loves of the sinful nature. Nevertheless, the law of God is still good. 
And God is still serious when he gives it. So the lawyer, hearing what Jesus says, do this and you will live, wants to justify himself. And he asks Jesus the question, who is my neighbor? Perhaps I can find a loophole in the law. If the neighbor can be narrowly defined as someone I like, or someone who is my friend, or someone who, please, who pleases me, who does the kinds of things that I want that delight me, I can love that neighbor as myself because he is doing what myself wants him to do. But there are no loopholes in the law and in the law's description of love. The law's demands are relentless, not because they are capricious and arbitrary laws, just rules to be kept, but because the law defines what is good. And it defines what is good by describing the, the contours of love, a love that is self-giving, a love that is sacrificial. Love for God is to desire him, to yearn for him, to cling to him, and to do so even and especially in the midst of suffering and when we are denied the things that we otherwise might insist upon. To yearn for him and to cling to him because he is the source of life, even if I am stripped of all of life's comforts. The Catechism defines that, as we've been hearing last week and in the weeks ahead, as fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Which means that love for the neighbor is characterized by compassion, mercy, empathy, and self-sacrifice and self-giving for the benefit of the neighbor without counting the cost to oneself. To use the language of St. Paul in describing this love, which the Collect for today defines as charity, says that such love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy, it is not boastful, it is not rude, it does not seek its own, it bears sin, it never fails. This love says, I will do whatever is necessary to the point of laying down my life for you so that you will live. No wonder Jesus said to the disciples, many kings and prophets longed to see the things that you see. Because while they did not find such love down through the history of Israel or among the contemporaries of their age, it is a love that was promised in the Messiah in the Son of God, in human flesh. In Jesus' ministry, which culminated in his sacrificial death upon the cross, which he willingly entered into without counting the cost, there we see what true love is, what the law demands, what the law describes, 
finds its fulfillment in love incarnate in the person and work of Jesus. He loved his Father with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and therefore, because of that, he loved us, even his enemies, in place of himself. St. Paul talks about, as an apostolic <coughs> minister, the love of Christ compels us or constrains us to preach the gospel. That's rooted in the fact that the love of God, this love which is his by nature, compelled Jesus to lay down his life in sacrificial death for his enemies, for those who hated him. He had compassion for those who had sinned against him, for those who had brought such utter ruin upon their lives. And in so doing, he considered us all to be his neighbors, paying the ultimate price. St. Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the Apostle John said, in his love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Our Lord's death upon the cross is the fulfillment of what God's law shows to be good love for the Father, and love for the neighbor so that another might live. It is this mystery that the lawyer, though he could articulate the law, could not grasp. The disciples had difficulty grasping it. They saw it throughout Jesus' ministry in his compassion and in his empathy toward sinners. But even they had difficulty fathoming the depth of this love. It is this love that saves us. And it is also this love received by faith alone in the Lord Jesus, which begins even in this life of sin and death to animate our lives as Christians. Jesus telling the parable of the Good Samaritan is more than an illustration of what the love of God in Christ really is. It confronts us as it confronted the lawyer with what we fail to be and what we fail to do. A Jewish man is beaten by thieves who stripped him and left him half dead on the side of the road. Without someone coming to his aid, he surely would have expired. And so there's the priest and there's the Levite. Both of them pass him by. Priests are supposed to care for others. That is their vocation, to intercede for them, to offer sacrifices for them, to teach them. But he's unwilling to be involved in this man's need. Like the priest who told Judas, bringing back the silver pieces of coin, the silver coins, what is that to us, your sin? You see to it yourself. This is not only loveless, it is evil as it thrusts the sinner back upon himself. Levites also were in an office of total service to others. They were not to own property. They were to care for the temple on behalf of the congregation. They were supposed to give to those who had nothing. But again, like the priest, the Levite passes by on the other side of the road. But it is the Samaritan who has compassion. 
his heart breaks open in love for that fallen Jew on the side of the road who would have died without his help. He goes to him, he bandages his wounds, he pours in oil and wine like medicine. He brings him to the safety of the inn, he pays for everything, and then he pledges to the innkeeper, whatever more is necessary, I will pay it to save his life. That is not only love, but it is fundamentally good. And what's so significant here is that the good Samaritan did not do these things for his own benefit. Remember the lawyer's question? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He does not do this for his own benefit, but entirely for the man in need. You see, this is the problem with works righteousness for salvation. What work must I do to save myself? Even the presumed acts of love in that scenario are only for the service of self, which is not love at all and doesn't even begin to come close to the fulfillment of the law. It is fascinating that Jesus cast the hero as the Samaritan. It is fascinating because for the Jewish audience hearing this parable for the first time, for them, Samaritans were their enemies. They were worse than Gentiles. They were the half-breed Jews who rejected temple worship. They were despised by the Jews. And so this fallen Jew on the side of the road on his way to Jericho is befriended by a man whom he would have considered to be his sworn enemy. Delightful. How very much like our Lord is the Samaritan. While we were the enemies of God, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you see, love is what the disciples saw in Jesus. It is what they heard in Jesus preaching. It is what they saw in him as he received sinners and ate with them, as he forgave prostitutes and tax collectors, calling them to repentance and embracing them with his mercy. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. Many prophets and kings have desired to see and have not seen, and to hear and have not heard. It is because of what they saw in Jesus' ministry. Real love, the grace of God, forgiveness, unmerited and unearned, that drew the multitudes to him and pressed about him, for they saw and heard none of this in the lawyers, in the Pharisees, in the scribes, and in the high priests. If we were honest... Jesus' parable had to strip the lawyer of any notion that he could save himself. It is the same for us. At its basic level, as we said a moment ago, what must I do to inherit eternal life is fundamentally born of a works righteous faith. In Jesus, 
we not only see what, G what love is, the fulfillment of the law's demands, but we also see and hear that this love is completely selfless, and it is for us. It is this love which is our only comfort and our only source of peace. At the end of the parable, Jesus asks the lawyer this question. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? What I find so fascinating about this is when you hear the parable unfold, given the lawyer's question, who is my neighbor, who is my neighbor that I'm supposed to help, our minds immediately go to the fallen Jew. He's my neighbor. I'm to help him. And of course, that is true. But Jesus turns a phrase. Who is the one who was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the answer given is the Samaritan. Or to say it differently, I am your neighbor. Jesus is your neighbor. The one who, looking at you, beaten, broken, ruined, destitute because of your sin and the judgment of the law, he was neighbor to you, coming to you with empathy for you, with compassion for you, dying for you, pouring in the oil and wine of mercy and forgiveness into the wounds caused by the law and Satan's accusations, bringing you into the inn of the church and caring for you, paying for all of it so that you might live. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And that love is seen in Jesus, your good Samaritan. When at the end of the parable, Jesus says, go and do likewise, those words are not oppressive law, but an invitation of the gospel of our good Samaritan to trust in him, to entrust our lives to him and to this love of our Savior that he might bring forth in us the fruits of his redeeming work and that we might be neighbor, not only to one another, but especially to those who are our enemies. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the rescuing love that Christ has given to us, that by his payment for all of our expenses, whatever we need of body and soul, he would give to save our life, healing our wounds, and giving us eternal life with him in heaven. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this congregation, that she would hold fast to the promises of God, fulfilled in the promised seed. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those having baptismal birthdays this week, for Sue Kaminsky, Dan Laubenstein, Faith Delighton, and for all the baptized, that we would not be carried away captive, but having been adopted with God's name, we would be given the food and drink at his family's table. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the families of the church whom God has purchased of old, for the married, especially Brian and Melissa Brendel, Mark and Melody Rubish, for all those hoping to be married, for all families rearing children, and for those hoping for the gift of a child, that God would not forget them, but remember them in giving mercy from heaven. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the healing given to the wounded, for Peyton Locklear and Donna Lovis's niece, Beth, that having received the mercy of Christ, they would continue steadfast in the true faith. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who are sick, are in treatment, or are in recovery, for Tom Zahn, Amy Bruss, for Connor and for Travis, for Marcy Gall, Kathy May, Cindy Runow, Gabby Hartwig, David Berger, for Michael, for Reverend Dr. John Willie, for Kathleen Hetzel, Dennis Michalis, and for Kathy Miller, that they would be given healing and shown true compassion. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who receive the Lord's merciful body and blood, that their every expense and wound would be made right by Christ's justification. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Heavenly Father, grant us the compassion of our merciful neighbor, Jesus Christ, that we would receive his promised life, salvation, and forgiveness of sins for our eternal good. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is meet and right so It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord 
Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
The peace of the Lord be with you always.
give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endures Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon his, lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.